Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Into the Comics Cave with your host, comic book heartthrob, Grant Stoy. Hello, uh, people returning again for uh, another session of asking questions. Uh, I am super excited for this particular episode because we have two award-winning writers uh, recently crowned Ringo winners, Bob France and Kevin Cuff. How are you guys doing? Good. We're, we're Good. doing great. Um, yeah. And and they, you have to use that introduction on every time you say our names. That there has to be the award winning. Well, to be, well, 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 Kevin. It's contractual, I Bob. I want it's contractual, award, sir. Because you could say award winning, but that can mean we won like employee of the month at the grocery store. Like I want them to know that we are Ringo award winning <laughs> comic writers. Because again, it's got to be specific and very focused on what we're doing here. Because we're—I don't know if you know this, Grant, but we're s- superstars now. Like it's oh yeah, we were mid, we were mid Carters, and now we are the tag team champions. So, was, <laughs> so you've ascended yeah. to some real cowboy shit, is what you're saying? Um, no, I would say kind of cowboy boots. We're almost to the shit. Like we're we're working our way there. <laughs> like we got cowboy, cowboy P. And then, cowboy jeans or something cowboy, like that. Yeah, yeah, like we're working on it. We're not cowboy depends. We're not. The, we're not the champs. We, we, not we the haven't champs. got to the shit yet. It's just the depends. Like before, <laughs> it's got to boil through a few more layers. And if I'm yes. being honest, I just hope the Ringo Awards means people at publishers will answer emails now. That's all I want. Like that's my goal <laughs> in comics is just to get a response. Like. Hey, no thanks. Like that's it. Like, that's all I want. Like it's good. that is that easy. And it has to, and it can be that simple. Editors out there listening, submission editors. It could be hey, no thanks. And then I'm like, whoa, look at that progress. As opposed to just <laughs> sending out pitches into a void and hoping they come back. And just getting like a very a, a personalized rejection. I don't even. Like, it could be a can. That's that's. They could just say yeah, no, and that's fine. They don't even have to be personalized, it, like and, and yes. nice about it. Grant, it could say to whom it may concern. Like I'm just yes. fine with that. Like, yeah, doesn't have to be. And even if I got like a fucking so and so was out of the office today, um, they'll check their email. Like I'll be, I'd be happy with that. Oh, I don't know where to laugh or cry. It's. I mean, it's comics, baby. That's what we're doing here. <laughs> They already so, broke our hearts, Grant. That's the problem. You know what, though? But comics has given us so much, and that was the one yes, thing that I thought was cool about the Ringo was that, like, in order to be nominated, we had to be nominated by the comics community. Mm-hmm. So the fact that people 
who have read our books or they read our tweets or they just generally listen to our podcast or just think Kevin and I are nice. It's probably Kevin. Everybody loves Kevin. Look at him. I mean, he's got a fish tank behind him. Like, like he looks like Scarface. Um, but it's just it's one of those things. It's just one of those things where just to, to, to get that recognition from your peers was really kind of overwhelming and amazing. And I'm still kind of I'm still excited about it. Like it still makes me happy. I have the Ringo in my in my bedroom. I just look at it and I'm like, that's awesome. Uh, I am sad that no one has given me a prestigious writing award in about a month. So like I'm getting kind of, <laughs> I'm getting kind of down on myself. So I need something to boost my confidence. And I think Grant that this podcast is going to be the thing. So. Well, also, I mean, let me mention that not only did they give us an award, they actually fed us. Yeah. Like while we were like we went to an award dinner. Like, yeah, it was nice. So they gave us food, which is like, cool. you know, at a Comic-Con, like you can, food is a bartering source sometimes. Oh, yeah. You're trapped in like a gymnasium with like the smelliest nerds that you've ever met. And like, it's like, it's like a post-apocalyptic, you know, wasteland of, of ink and, and Master, desperation. Master, Bla Master Blaster comes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's pretty crazy. Exactly. He, and, and then he it's, it's like master blaster came up to us and told us that we ran bar town because we I mean, are the kings of pig shit and I mean, that was, is the truth it was well, three it, it was a three course meal it was yes uh, that it was sat like a salad course there was a main course which was chicken and uh crab cakes because we we're in baltimore oh, hell yeah. uh, and then they had dessert and they even offer like i even had a I even had a tea afterwards because i'm not drinking coffee anymore so i was like can i have a hot tea and she was like of course it was so it was so wonderful what a wonderful experience you know and it was, and, it was and really now we now our expectation is that all cons should be yeah. like that well and and we're gonna, how are we we're ever gonna fail gonna, how are we ever gonna go back to Artist Alley with the schlubs, Grant. Like, how are we going to do that? It's impossible. We've come too far. I'll throw this out here. Uh, we're discussing next year having the Granty ceremonies be at a Popeye's chicken. So, um, okay, I'll get you guys a sandwich. I've I'll never had. I've, I've never had Popeye's before. Really? Never, never had Popeye's chicken before. I would say Popeye's chicken sandwich rivals a Chick Fil A sandwich. Well, I don't eat Chick Fil A. That's that's my wokeness right there. Like, mm -hmm. I refuse to eat Chick Fil A because of their politics. That's my one thing. Like, I can't be politically active all the time. Like, I can't boycott everybody and everything. Like right. today, like today, for a matter as as an example, um, our Amazon Music accounts. Or on the fritz, like we were trying to play songs. Like my son was wanted to listen to something, and I wanted to listen to something, and we were trying to get Alexa to play music for us, and it wouldn't work. And I was like, "Fucking Bezos has heard us talking shit about him," and he's like, "I'm not gonna let you listen to Taylor Swift right now, Bob." And I was real mad because I really wanted because he's to a Swifty. He's anti Swifty, obviously, because he no, you're a Swifty. I love he's Taylor. anti. He's anti. He's he's not a Francie. He was like, no, I'm not letting Bob France hear Taylor Swift because he talked shit about my rocket trip. That's Did he think he was jealous of your hair? It's it's quite possible. Bob has wonderful hair. It's in a ponytail right now. I'm thinking about cutting it. I'm, I'm getting to the point Don't where like, dare. well, I'm getting to the point, Grant, here's the thing, right? Like when you have long hair, mm -hmm. what's the point? Like what's the purpose of it? At some point it's just like, it's in a ponytail now and that's cool. I've never had a ponytail before, but like, What's the payoff after that? Like, I'm just kind of. You just keep going. And eventually you get that giant braid in the back that just looks amazing. So like a, like a crystal gale thing. That's what I'm going for. Like the Willie Nelson braid. I, I need a oh, Willie, the Nelson Willie Nelson braid. on either side would be amazing. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I, I, I think I mean, that's I mean, a good I'm, look on you. 
I thanks, Kevin. I appreciate that. But I am getting, <laughs> I am getting to the point where I'm just like I don't know what the what's the point of all this anymore. It's so I might. Just it would be talk. nice with the ascot, like the ascot, and then the double braids. Like you would have like like two sort of like very distinguishable like things in comics. But like, at some point, all I have like, is a beard. But at some point, though, Kevin. Not- at some point, Kevin, though, I feel like Major Blood on G.I. Joe, like I'm just over-accessorized because if you look at Major Blood, like he had the helmet and the eye patch and the gold. Oh, the going on. He had too much yeah, stuff. too. Yeah, 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 like he had entirely too much stuff. So if I if I get the braids on both sides and the neckerchief and it's just too much stuff going on, I need one gimmick. I you need the gauntlet one. too then. I, I can not have all these gimmicks. I need one gimmick. And the gimmick is the handkerchief right now with the, around my neck and the neck and the hair. But I think I'm get like I said I'm almost I'm very close to cutting my hair. Oh, what I like is you guys have this nice dichotomy where it's like Bob, your hair is like growing long and beautiful in the back, and Kevin, your beard is just like flowing like a beautiful waterfall in the front. <laughs> I mean, we th- we, we did think it out. Balancing. We we did think about that. You know, we we wanted to be yin and yang of comics, but we just had to settle for, you know, the tag team champions. Kevin's got a really cool beard because it's got the gray streaks in it. You can't see it in the video, but he's got really cool gray streaks. It looks like Wolfman Jack or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I promised him my mustache grows in different color than my beard. So I always have to like die. Yeah, like I'll always die in my mustache because it grows in like blondish reddish and it just doesn't look it looks like a calico cat like sat on my face for like 45 minutes um so um instead of doing that i just made sure the mustache is the same color as everything else and then bob was like you're dying the gray out of your beard and i'm like he's i see some gray coming in there i was like i promise you when it comes i'll let it grow so i did it, I looks, good. Him. it looks good so. it looks real good and so you guys are basically on top of the heap right now we want to learn how you, got, how you got to be. <laughs> what character. fucking heap are you talking about? <laughs> He's talking about Marjorie the trash heap from uh, the yes. King like, on shit. Shit We're on a heap of shit. Yeah, we're the kings of shit mountain, Kevin and I, right? I, now. I, I, mean, I already said that. The, so, like, the kings of Barter Town, pig shit. Where did you guys grow up? Where did you? Where does your origin story begin? We'll start okay. with Kevin and your beard. Oh, I am from Queens, New York. Really? Um, so, yeah originally from queens and we moved to virginia when i was like 11 or 12 don't quite remember it was a long time ago um since i'm old enough to have gray now so like it was a while ago um and we've, i've been in virginia ever since but i still claim new york because like it's, it's not that there's anything wrong with virginia or anything like that i don't have any problems with it i'm just not southern enough for virginia but now like that i live in virginia i'm not northern enough from new york so like it's one of those things i'm i'm, I'm caught in a constant state of um disarray there <clears throat> what's something about like your childhood in new york that you miss oh going to the spinner rack to get comics because they were on spinner racks when i was yeah. a kid yeah so i missed the spinner racks because they were awesome and like it was weird because you had to get what you what you got. Like in a spinner rack situation, there's only what's on the spinner rack. Right. So there's no like pull boxes. There's none. There's none of this like modern comics. Like I want this particular cover of this. What's on the spinner rack is what you got and you fucking get it or you don't. And like, you know, like comics for 65, 70 cents, something like 75 cents. Yeah. It's secret wars. You get the fuck out. Yeah, and and you you that's what's up there. You gonna get what's up here, or you're just not gonna get a comic that week. And that's been my allowance on comics. So it would be, you know, like Power Man and Iron Fist one week, and next week they might have some Spider Man. 
Uh, every now and then they had a Savage Sword of Conan, which I was like, obviously too young to be reading at the time because there were boobies in there and like and my parents just thought it was a comic so like mm -hmm. it, was, it was it was on the spinner rack with everything else so it's just a dollar fifty like I, I had to spend more of my allowance on that one so i still have some like i still have a lot of the comics that i got from spinner rack so that, it's a it's a weird fond memory it's still ran and bob where'd you grow up um i grew up in virginia beach virginia um i moved I was born in Norfolk. My dad was in the military. Um, so when I was like two, we moved to Meridian, Mississippi, but I don't remember any of that. Then we moved back to Virginia Beach and I lived there uh, until I was 19. And then I moved to Richmond, Virginia when I went to college at Virginia Commonwealth University. Oh, and then I lived, I lived at VCU until I graduated, which was three years but it took me three years from community college. So it took me six years to graduate in total three community. <laughs> co I was at community college longer than I was at a real university. Um, and then I went back home to Virginia beach to pursue a radio career that I um, had for 10 years. Oh yeah. Well, how did, how did you decide to do radio? Like I've worked in radio and it's kind of, it's weird cause it almost feels like it's now it's kind of a dying industry because podcasts are so prevalent. yeah but pe people have been saying that shit for years man as long as you can get it for free in your car people are going to listen to it true like it's not going to be the it's not going to be like the old days where people follow djs around from station to station and they're going to sit in their car and listen to bits and stuff like that i can't get out of my car because how oh, howard's so funny today like i remember howard stern was on in virginia when i was in community college and maybe that's why i was at community college so long because howard was really funny today and i'm not going to get out of my car until the bit's over you know <laughs> um but i mean as long as you can get music for free people will listen to it you know um how i got into radio was i had a friend back who i went to high school with a guy by the name of mike powers that was his real name he's an irish guy from long oh, wow. island his name was mike powers and mike was a. Uh, uh, Mike didn't go to college. He just started working in radio right at 18. Like he started interning at the radio station and doing all the work and yada, yada, yada. And this was around 2001. And in 2001, radio is very much a copycat industry. You had Opie and Anthony and, and some of these afternoon morning shows, like afternoon talk shows on the FM dial were starting to take off. So the owner of my radio group, uh, it was like a mom and pop station. They had like six or seven stations in the market. Um, he's like, Hey, this is something I want to do. So Mike, who was on in the afternoon drive at that point was like, Hey, you got to bring my friend in. He's really funny. He's a writer. He's a comic. Like he wants to, this is what he wants to do. Um, so I auditioned over Thanksgiving, I guess. It, yeah. I think I auditioned over Thanksgiving week because I was still in Richmond at the time. Cause I was waiting tables. Uh, like most writers and comics do, <laughs> uh, you know, until they until they make it to some extent. And I came in for three days, and we tried it out, and it worked really well. And they hired me, and then that was that. All right on. Yeah. Did you have any spinner rock spinner rack type experience with comics? When did when did comics start to find you? Uh, comics found me after the um, nineteen eighty nine Batman film. Like I, I did not come from a family of readers. Like I don't have an older brother who got me into comics. I didn't have a cool uncle who smoked weed and let me read his comics. Like as a kid at, I think what I was 11 years old, 
uh, my dad took me to see the Batman movie and I saw the Batman. I, as soon as I finished this movie, I was like, I want to be in this. Like, this is something I want to be a part of. Um, so there was a bookstore in my neighborhood called Smith Books and he, they sold comics. And much like Kevin said, it was, it was, you got what you got, you know? Um, so I kind of gravitated initially towards the Batman books because of the movie, but then I found myself really as an 11, 12 year old kid getting into Spider-Man because it was something that I could relate to. Yeah. So I was at the age where I was just buying anything that I was that kid. I would just buy anything that had Spider-Man on it. Like I just, I have all kinds of stuff and all kinds of things um, that were just Spider-Man because I was interested in that character. So I just kind of started reading Spider-Man and then I just fell in love with the medium and it's been that way ever since i've 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 kind of fell out of it and gotten back into it but yeah we all have our stories and kevin when did you decide you wanted to be in comics to actually make comics or is that is that the question yeah um that was uh, probably around 2013 or so around there um is when i decided i wanted to make comics i had been reading several different comics uh, at the time. Um, and um, I had been going to the comic shop for a couple of years. Uh, the new 52 came out. And oh, at, the, at the time that that happened, my kid was like, um, he was like two. So I was like, I'm gonna get all these number ones for him mm-hmm. because they'll probably be worth money someday. And like, that was my thinking, like the speculator thinking when I went in there. But then like, I was like, I just wanna buy all of them. So it costs like, something ridiculous to buy all those new 52 releases, but you had to like wait and like they came out in like stages. So I bought them all. Um, I, I brought them home and then I started to read through some of them. Cause something looked cool. Like, like I would, I would just name one off the top of my head. Like animal man looked awesome. It was like Grant Morrison on animal man. So it was pretty dope. So I started to read through it. And I'm like, Oh, this is not for, this is not for him <laughs> at, at his age. That is not a comic. I'm going to read him. Cause my dad used to read me comics. So, the whole idea behind it for me was like, I'm going to do that with my son and hopefully it'll give him a love of reading. Cause um, that's what prompted me to want to like read hard was like, my dad was like, you know, and this is what's happening with Spider-Man, the Hulk. And he'd read it to me and I'd sit on his lap and he'd read it to me. And like, I couldn't read. So I was, you know, like young, uh, young, young, like, but then I would go on my own at seven or later. And once I got that, but that instilled that in me from that point on, like, I want to be able to know what Spider-Man is saying or Hulk is saying or, you know, whatever we picked up that week from the spinner rack. Um, so to make a long story short, uh, I've been reading a book by uh, Matt Hawkins called uh, Think Tank. Um, oh, you which, yeah, it's a great book. I would recommend people read that book. It's awesome. And um, I noticed that the, like you could like, and I knew nothing about Twitter at the time. I was, you can actually talk to the people who make the stuff and his Twitter was in there. So I was like, well, fine, I'll just fire up a fucking question. He'll probably never answer it. Cause like in my, in my brain at that time, people, comic book people are like wrestlers or somebody famous people don't answer you on like those kind of forums. So this is what I'm thinking. So I fire off a question and he tweeted back and I was like, what? He tweeted tweeted back to me. Like, this is weird. I, I installed this thing in my phone just to like talk to this comics guy and it actually worked. That's really weird. Like I wasn't expecting that to happen. Um, And I asked him how one goes about writing comic and he was kind enough to tell me how that works. Um, And so, and I think I don't remember what I read, but I had read something at the time that I thought wasn't very good. And was like, I could write something better than that. Like, like that was just my initial thought. Like, 
I could do better than this. I see it and I know like I could do a better job than this. Um, and like I said, I don't even remember what it was. So that's why I started asking him questions. I was like, well, how does one go about doing that? So I asked the question. He was kind enough to share his time and knowledge and answer me on Twitter, um, which is why I always try and do the same too, because of that particular moment, I was so shocked. Um, and then from that point on, I started pursuing the resources he he put in my hands. I was like, uh, go look at this book or look at this. And this is what a comic book script like. If you go here, there's archives of scripts. So like I did every link he sent, I went and followed up on. Yeah, you so did that's how, and then, I mean, I wouldn't go that far and say I did my homework. I, I'd send a tweet. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pure happenstance. If Matt Hawkins hadn't been a nice dude and nice enough to answer me, I might not be sitting here with you guys today. Bob, when did you want to, like, initially, did you want to write comics or just, like, did you have delusions of grandeur that you wanted to draw them to? No, no, no. I, I knew at a very early age that I couldn't, I couldn't draw. Um, <laughs> I got into, I, I always enjoyed writing as a kid. Like, I remember when I was a young, young kid, we had our first family computer and I saw the. Um, the Raven episode of The Simpsons, and oh, I went and, and I went out and I read uh, some Edgar Allan Poe stuff, and I was like, I want to be a writer like that. Like, I want to write. So I started writing like really terrible short stories as like an 11, 12 year old kid, and then I, st I started writing comedy because I was doing stand up comedy. I did stand up comedy for a little while. I wasn't really any good at it. Um, I can be funny, but the idea of like trying to craft a joke from beginning middle and end is a skill that i don't have like i could be funny in conversation ha 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 you know what i mean mm -hmm. um but like the idea of like trying to set out and get last just didn't work for me yeah. um um so which is weird now because now we write comedy books but that's a whole other <laughs> didn't you just yeah. win a best well, humor book i, I, I think you, uh... I, well i think so, some of that too is is the idea of because it's still you're still writing conversations yeah, you say you're just both sides of the conversation. So when I'm, I'm writing comics, I do find myself just talking to myself because I'm I'm saying the dialogue before I write it down on the page. But um, but yeah. So then I I I started doing radio, and then I I was uh, a raging alcoholic for like ten years, and I didn't do anything else but like work and drink. Like oh, that's geez. all I did. I just worked and drank. I work and drank like that. That was my whole life. Um, and then I quit drinking in, I don't know, it's been like 15 years and all of a sudden I had all this free time because I wasn't drinking anymore. Like all my, I lost all my friends cause all my friends were bar people and drinkers and I stopped drinking. Uh, and I started hanging out with a friend of mine who now runs a bunch of comic conventions and is a writer himself is a guy named Mike Federale out of Virginia beach, Virginia. And him and I would, he was my sober friend. It's like, we would just hang out. And this is when I got back into comics too, because I had all this free time and free money. And a f buddy of mine who was reading comics was like, hey man, the Avengers are fighting each other. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, man, like it's like a, they call it civil war, like Iron <laughs> Man and Iron Man and Captain America are fighting each other. And I was like, well, this sounds amazing. So I got back into comics because of that. And so a friend of mine and I, Mike, we would talk about what we were reading and then he, uh, he asked me like, "Hey, have you ever written any of your own stuff?" And I was like, "Here and there," uh, because I had gotten on a Star Wars, Star War. It was like a Star Wars role playing messaging board. Okay. 
So like what would happen was somebody would set the scenario and then you would write what your character would do. So oh, it was like, rad. it was pretty neat. Um, this was in, like I said, like probably 2006. Mm -hmm. So I, I created some characters for that. And that was the first time that I was creating original characters. And my buddy was like, Hey, you ever read, you ever thought about writing a comic? And I said, no, but I think it would be fun. So him and I started working on something together. Um, and it was like this long 12 issue maxi series. Like we made all the mistakes that, Wait, as your first project? Yeah, yeah, we made all the mistakes that people make when they first get into it. Like, we had this whole universe planned out, like a, a superhero universe. Like, it was massive and fun and, and fun to us. And it always gave us something to talk about at lunch. And I would just write scripts, and I had no idea what I was doing, like zero. But I just kept doing it because I found it enjoyable. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, I decided... Uh, this thing had gotten too big. This this thing that my buddy and I were working on. I said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do a four issue mini series as the first thing that I try to write on my own. Again, so many mistakes made. Um, and I said, I'm gonna hire an artist and I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do it. And I did it. Like I made a number one issue. It was a book called Forty One that came out like in two thousand and nine. That was the first self-published book I ever, it was in black and white. The artist is a guy named Pablo Pepino, who you may know from Skies of Fire. Um, Pablo was the first artist I ever worked with and he was fantastic. Uh, and so, yeah, and then we I finished the series out with another person. And like I said, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what a fucking page turn was. I had no idea what like an establishing shot was. Uh, it was rough, but mm -hmm. I but I did it and I did it all. I did it. Like I didn't have an editor. There were like the lettering was garbage because I didn't know that I needed like a dedicated, like it was just, I made every mistake imaginable with this mini series, but I was filled with like such like pride and, and, and accomplishment that I just, I kept doing it. Um, yeah. And then I lost my radio job and then I had to stop for a while. <laughs> 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 then that kind of put my comics career on hold, which I think was for the better because then I just read stuff. And I yeah. think I it, I got to get kind of more immersed in the medium. And like I read some books about writing comics and I read – I would go on like digital webbing and like read scripts and be like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. I had a buddy, Drew Moss, uh, who's a very talented artist. He'd been working in comics forever. And he would look at some of my stuff and be like, hey, man, you need to do this. You need to do this. This is something that you need to work on. Um, so I just took his advice and just kind of kept going and doing it, you know? Um, yeah. And then, yeah. I don't want to talk too long because the story continues, but we can move on. <laughs> well, because right now, it's like your, your simultaneous stories are like arcing upwards. You're both reading scripts. You're both learning how to do this. At what point do your trajectories intersect? Well, that's the, that, that, that's, that's the, the interesting Moss. part. Yeah, that's Drew Moss. Um, because after I stopped working on comics for a while, I got back into it around my daughter's fourth birthday because she was super into comics. Like my daughter, she was an avid reader. She still is. Like she just, she consumes books. And like much like Kevin's father did with Sophie, I would just read her comics. And at the time we would read Balthazar and Franco's like Tiny Titans and all his stuff. And she was super into it. It was awesome. And I said, I told my wife, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make my daughter a comic for her birthday. Um, so I, I hooked up with an artist by the name of Gene Franco out of Argentina, who's a really great guy. And uh, we made a book called Monty the Dinosaur, which was about uh, a, di a dinosaur, like a, the last living dinosaur and his friend Sophie. 
who was my four-year-old daughter at the time. Um, we came about this idea because I had taken her to the museum center in Cincinnati, Ohio, because that's where we ended up. And I was a stay-at-home parent. So after 2012, we left Virginia. We moved to Cincinnati, and I had been a stay-at-home parent. So this was like 2004. Okay. Um, or 2014, excuse me. Um, so 2014, we went to a dinosaur exhibit, and Sophie said, hey, Dad, tell me a story about a dinosaur. So I did. So I just made up this stuff on the fly. And the good ones I kept and wrote as scripts. And I had a buddy of mine named Mike Exner edit it. And we, we had some success, like people really dug it. Like we did a small Kickstarter for it and I helped me pay it for some of the printing and stuff like that. Um, Action Lab picked it up, which was pretty cool. And so Kevin and I met at a show uh, in Altoona, Pennsylvania because Drew was going to this show. Uh, Pennsylvania, this was a good place for all of us to meet up okay. because Altoona was close enough for everybody. So Drew was like, hey, do the show in Altoona, we can hang out. I said, okay, cool, because that's what cons are. Like you just hang out with your buds. So I went to Altoona, Pennsylvania to hang out with Drew and Kevin was there. Cause I met Drew at my local comic shop through the owner. Um, Cause I was, you know, doing what Bob was doing. I was buying a bunch, of, I was buying like 70 titles a month or whatever for like, for a while. Isn't it crazy then, to think about? Oh my and, gosh, was this during and, the, like, when New 52 was still putting out? No, this is around the same time Bob mentioned, around 2014 or so. And I was okay. just going to the shop all the time, buying a bunch of stuff. And he's like, you know what you should buy? There's a guy here who's lived, and the shop owner, Rich Trinkle, is one of the best dudes in the entire world. Like, uh, Bob knows Rich. and He's a great Rich guy. Is, Rich is awesome. And so he ran the shop called Heroes and Villains, which is closed now, but it was open then. And, like, I would go every week and buy comics and um he's like you know you're you say you're looking at different things to like learn how to do like comics writing so why don't you look at this dude who's local he he's drawn a comic and then we have it here so i i bought drew's comic and then uh when i and, and he said like, come in here and like talk to the dude he's really cool and i was like okay i'll come in and, and do that sometime so um i gave rich my number and then he texted me one time and i worked um like down the street from where his shop was um on the regular and so he was like hey are you working today and i was like yeah and he's like you should come by after you get off of work because drew's here and you and i you should meet him and so i did i did exactly that and i and i had written a script for a book called oathbound that was with a guy named paul gory who's we're still friends to, to this day and we were working on a, like a as a fantasy western comic so i was doing like if dnd were set in the old west um oh, nice. so rich advised that i meet with drew i did and i said hey man what would it what would it take to get you to do a cover and he's like are you serious i'm like i'm dead serious and he's like okay uh, it'd be this much and i was like okay cool when do you need to buy and he was like you know next monday and i was like all right so got off of work went to the bank took out the money cash drove to the shop to meet drew and then drew was like you're fucking serious about this most people say they want me to do a cover <laughs> and then they bail or they don't bring money or like they're like oh i don't have enough He's like, you just bought the exact amount. And you showed up at the right time. Like you did everything that you're supposed to do. He's like, it's really weird because I'm not used to people doing that. People say they want to make comics, but they don't really want to do it. And I was okay. like, yeah, like here's the money. Like, make, like let's do a cover. And he's like, all right, cool. And the more that happened, the more I see him at the shop, like the closer we got and would joke around and hang out. And like, eventually he was like, hey, I need help at my table for cons. Like this will help you because you're trying to do this later on. So you'll learn like how to, do con business and stuff. So the same way that he kind of mentored Bobby, he kind of mentored me. And like, 
And so he's like, I'm going to go to Altoona and I'll need table help. So do you mind coming? And I was like, no, not at all. I'll come to Altoona with you. So we went to Altoona and that's where I met Bob. Hello there. My name is Don Cardenas and I'm here to invite you to check out my podcast, the 2021 Grantee Award winning Comics Coffee Medal, where I interview creatives in, around, and about the worlds of, you guessed it, Comics Coffee and Metal. I've already had such amazing guests on my show, including, but not limited to, Liana Kangas, Mike Norton, John O'Diener, Michael Conrad, Sophie Campbell, Guitar Max Carlisle, Andrew Baina, and of course, the word bros themselves, Bob and Kevin. Comics Coffee Metal is available on all the major podcast services, and you can find it directly at comicscoffeemetal.com. I hope to see you there, and now I return you to Into the Comics Cave with the amazing, awesome, talented, um, tall, handsome, uh, what else did I say? Definitely over six feet tall, smells good like lavender and motorcycle grease. Is that right? Motorcycle grease? Alright. Grant Stoy. There, I said it. Get my money now. The funny part about it, though, <laughs> was I had met Kevin, what, maybe 15 years earlier? Something um, like that. Yeah. What? Kevin yeah. and I had met like 15 years earlier at a nightclub, and I was really, really drunk, and Kevin was in a band at the time, and he was um, he was friends with my friend Mike, who was on the radio, and I was very protective of Mike, especially when I knew that there were like local band people around because I thought they were just trying to get their shitty music played on the radio. <laughs> so, I, so I instantly didn't like Kevin because I thought he was just like trying to sponge off my dude when clearly that was my job to get a radio gig from him. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, so Kevin and I, and you, told, you relayed that story to me when we met in Altoona. Yeah, it, the, the funniest thing about it was... Um, they, they, Bob worked for an alternative radio station. I was in a metal band. I knew they would never play what we played on the air. I just thought Mike was cool. Like, mm. like she somebody introduced that. him to me. Yeah, somebody introduced him to me when we were drinking, and like, he was like, "So you're in a metal band?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "He's like, did you think that?" And Mike even asked that. He's like, "Did you think that we we're gonna?" Because we have a metal time. Like, I, I could actually find a place to play. And I was like, "I don't care." Like, let's just hang out and drink together. He's like, for real? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't give a fuck about all that. I'm not, so my, you introduced, they introduced me to you, you were cool. So like, that's the way I, that's, and, and that's funny because that's how we, we still are now, but Bobby didn't know me then. So he just thought like, and he was kind of like a dick to me and I was like, man, fuck you. And he was like, fuck you. And, like, and it was like that. <laughs> and like, one of my friends didn't like him because I was friends with this other dude um, named Frank, who Bob didn't like. Yeah, I don't and like so was Frank. Yeah, yeah, he didn't like Frank. And Frank was a, he's a, he was another local musician, so. Like, and that's what happens like here in the Virginia beach music scene is people just hang out and drink together uh, who happen to do the same thing. So like I knew Frank was a drinking buddy as well. Well, Frank, but Frank, Frank probably was trying to get Mike to play. Stuff Frank slapped my boy though. I remember that like, he, we were at a bar, we were at the bar and Frank slapped my man, Dave. Uh, he Dave was in my wedding and he slapped my man, Dave. And I was like, oh, fuck that dude. I'm going to, yeah. Slapped him? He just slapped him. Like it was a really long time ago, but um, I wasn't there for that, but yeah. I just knew, I knew Frank. Frank. Yeah. Virginia beach music scene is very incestuous. Everyone knows everyone. I think, so, every, like, I, I think every scene is like that. Like I've learned that comics oh, yeah. is like that and everything is that way. But, uh, but yeah, so Kevin and I met in this Altoona <laughs> show and he was a writer and I was a writer and like, we talked about storytelling because we were at this Altoona show it was a three day show. Um, it was what Monday Friday, Friday was, Friday was 11 AM to eight. 
Saturday was 10 to 10 and Sunday we left early. So this was like oh, the longest man. show of your whole life. And like Kevin and I were just kind of hanging out and like talking comics and story and like, what does he like to do? What do I like to do? And at the time I was doing all ages stuff, but I knew that I wanted to do other things. And Kevin and I, Kevin was doing his thing. And I was like, Hey man, this thing's pretty cool. You know, yada, yada. We should exchange numbers. Okay, cool. And I remember coming back to Cincinnati and I think I called you and I was like, Hey man, yes. what do you want to do? Like, let's work on something. Because yep. I don't, I'd always, I'd always enjoyed writing in a, in a group, in a team, because I think an idea that gets batted around a lot by a bunch of different people that has a bunch of different eyes on it has the more possibility to grow. Because if I'm just looking at it, I'm laser focused. I'm not going to think about this thing at a left field. That's an obvious plot hole because I'm so focused on what I'm doing. It can't be that way. It's got to be this. And, and, and again, working in a radio studio with four people, when you're doing a radio show, like an idea evolves over time. So you may plant a seed and somebody else is going to water it and somebody else is going to pick the fruit, but it's still a, a, an effort done together. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And Kevin has a really great mind for storytelling and for comics and for creativity. So we started working together. And the first book we did together was uh, The Elvis Adventures. Um, it's a one-shot story about Elvis Presley who fights a bunch of aliens in Las Vegas. Um, it's yeah. it's kind of like a precursor for Metal Shark Bro. Like if, Definitely. If you enjoyed Metal Shark Bro, you would really like The Elvis Adventures because this is kind of like we were just doing as much wacky shit as we wanted to do in this book. Like we just had this idea, hey – what if some aliens came down from space and they, it was lost in translation and they thought Elvis was the king of the <laughs> planet, not the king of rock and roll. Like they got it confused because of the, the translation. Mm. And so they fought and then one of the, you know, and then there's a, a, a Kaiju banana, banana. and yeah. like all this wacky shit. Like there's just all this wacky shit that happens in the book. And it was, I really think that was the precursor for a metal shark pro because we just wanted to do wacky shit. Like we just wanted to do fun and silly things. And uh, we just kind of, kind of went with it, man. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun because it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Cause he was, he was doing something different and I was doing something completely different. But then when he was like, let's work on this. And then I was like, well, what do you want to do? And, and we didn't know. So we started tossing ideas around and I think Bob said, we should do something with Elvis. Um, and then I said, okay, cool. And then we started thinking, I was like, well, Elvis doing what? And then we went back and forth on that. And, and it was fun going back and forth. And I think that that, that is something that I didn't know because I had only been writing by myself. So I had never written with anyone else. So um, with Bob and I going back and forth so much, like it was one of those things where um, like he would have a cool idea. And then I would be like, but what if it's, he's like, Elvis should have like, I think one of the things was he said something like, Elvis should have a like a samurai. So I was like, okay, cool. But let's make it like Elvis out. Like he, it's got to be blinged. Like it's got to have all the bling on it. And it's oh, got to yeah. have his mom's name on the sword. Like the sword's named after his mama. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. Let's do that. And so we, yeah. we'd go like, and well, everything would be one step. I was like, hey man, I was reading these articles about the Memphis mafia and they used to like rent out roller skate rings and shoot fireworks at each other. So we put that in the book because we both thought that would be an, an awesome visual of Elvis. It is ridiculous. Like they yeah. would rent a roller skating rink and shoot fucking fireworks at each other. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. Like, that's when you know you're rich as shit. Like, yeah, we're going to shoot fireworks indoors at each other on roller skates. Like, that is the that is the one percenter, right? That's what we're going to do for good times, man. Like, we take our wives and girlfriends out to dinner, partners out to dinner in a movie. Like, rich people rent roller skating rings and shoot fireworks at each other, not even worry about it. Man, so, I just yeah. got new life goals, though. Right? <laughs> that sounds amazing. 
my 50th birthday is going to be lit, literally. <laughs> so we just started doing this book and then we had so much fun doing it that like we ended up right. It's a one shot because we worked with uh, a young lady named Rachel Ordway, who's super talented and a lot of fun to work with, who happens to be Jerry Ordway's daughter. And we had no fucking idea. Oh, we're, yeah. Really? We're just yes. Yeah. We found yeah. her on, we found her work on Twitter and we really liked it because she had this like very like kind of cartoony Disney Channel goof troop vibe to it. Like it was a really fun kind of cartoony style and we really liked her and we hired her and she was doing the book and then a buddy of ours was like, hey, you guys realize you hired Jerry Ordway's daughter, right? We were like, get the fuck out of here. Like, you know, no. and he was so convinced. He was like, you guys are just the biggest dummies. Like, I can't believe you <laughs> this. I'm like, yeah, it just had worked out that way. Um, so now Jerry Ordway follows us on Twitter, which is weird, but that's still cool. Um, so yeah, so we did this book and we sent it around some publishers and eh, whatever. Um, but we paid for it ourselves, but we had so much fun doing it that we just kept writing it. So there are four more issues of this thing that are just <laughs> that are just sitting on my Google Drive that I don't think we'll ever do anything with. We'll probably pick the bones of and put those ideas in other things. But I mean, yeah, they're just sitting there because we just enjoyed the process of it so much. And then we worked on another book together, uh, Full Moon Fredo, that didn't really do much. We'd never even kickstarted. We paid for it out of pocket. It was like a kind of an all-ages thing, like a Scooby-Doo, Indiana Jones vibe. Right. We, did, we did one issue of that, and we kind of weren't getting anywhere. We weren't, we weren't doing what we wanted to do, you know? We weren't getting any traction. We weren't mm -hmm. getting any traction doing, yeah. doing comics the way we were doing it because it's um, – there's a learning curve. Like you have to figure out what to do and how to do it. And like, Oh, we should, you know, we're doing these single issues because I didn't see the point of doing pitches because then you're just stuck with eight pages that you can't do anything with. So if we do a whole book, we can, at least we have something to sell at cons. And that was my thinking for a while. And it was okay. Like we sold, we moved some copies of Elvis. People yeah. like we did. And, okay. and, and we did some copies of Fredo too. We sold out of Fredo, but it wasn't, it was just the idea that, um, it wasn't getting us where we wanted to go. We so were we very had to come to that realization. Yeah, we were very much like those dudes that are just making like self-publishing, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but we wanted something bigger for ourselves because we felt like these ideas were good. We just had to get them out to the masses, and like publishers really weren't listening to the stuff we were doing. And then we had another idea that kind of got batted around. Um, that. You know, it kind of took the wind out of my sail, so I got kind of bummed out because comics is there's an ebb and flow to it. Yeah, and then, absolutely. And then, and then, so like you can get a win, but then you get three losses in a row, and it's like fuck, man. Like I just like we we're pushing the rock up the hill, and it keeps rolling back over me, and I'm tired of it. But then we cooked up Metal Shark, bro, and then it's been kind of completely different since then. So I always kind of look at my comic career as like, it's almost like three phases where I did the early, early stuff in 2009 or excuse me, yeah, 2009 when I had no fucking idea what I'm doing. I did Monty the Dinosaur, which Action Lab picked up, which was really awesome. Uh, and that wouldn't have happened without my wife because she was like, this is so good. You have to see if anybody wants this. So we pitched it out and uh, Action Lab took it. Uh, which was awesome. That was my first published work and then started working with Kevin. So I have like these three phases of my career. And right now has been the most, the third phase has been the most fun and the most successful. Um, and then, yeah, then Metal Shark Bro was born and we just kind of went from there. And then we realized like, hey man, we could, we could do this. Like this is something that we can like really do. Like there's an audience for the things that we want to create. And that was a really great feeling. Which, which yeah. don't let Bob fool you though, because we also had those doubts because when we were looking at doing Metal Shark Bro, the important part to mention that the, the, the gateway to the third part of uh, Bob's career was um, 
we decided that like we should do the whole thing. We should do it as a graphic novel. That was it scary. Come out. And oh, like he was, he he was all against it and like and I, and I said, you know, look, we've been doing single issues and that hasn't been working. We have to try something different to make this yeah. work. So we, we we and we always are very like um back and forth with 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 ideas. If it, if if he was really dead dead set against it, we wouldn't have done it. Um but like he was open enough to like hear me out on my ideas on what we sh what I thought we should do, and so then we kept on going back and forth, and then we were like, okay, so we need to get somebody to draw this script. So we figured, you know, we were gonna get um, a, a friend of ours to draw it uh, at first, I believe. Fred uh, Stressing was gonna draw it, and then he had something come up that he had he's a colorist, uh, but he also pencils. So he's like, I yeah, I got too much coloring work to do, so we had to find someone else to do it. And Bob had, and I happened to be at Heroes that year, and I had bought art from Walter the year before and a book. And I was like, this dude wrote a really cool book, and his art's really different. So we should ask him to do it. And Bob's like, would he do it? He doesn't even need us. Like, he writes his own stuff. He's got his own book. He doesn't need us. And I was like, well, we can ask. And the worst I'll say is no. And we asked. And, um, he didn't seem like super, uh, to be honest, Walter didn't seem like super into the idea at first. And then well, he thought it was worth hire. Walter's yeah. not super in anything. Like he's, <laughs> he's got this very kind of like laid back. Laid back. He's super laid back. To me. Like we've known Walter. We've worked with Walter now for four years. And so there are some times where I don't think he likes me. Like it's just one of those <laughs> things. But like it's just he's that's just the kind of duty is like he's tough to read. But yeah, Kevin is right. He when he thought it was a work for hire thing, he wasn't into it. When we're like, hey man, you can have ownership of this. You're helping us create this. You're creating the aesthetic of the book. Like, and I don't I'm I'm a big believer. Kevin and I both early on, we very much decided like I it rubs me the wrong way when I hear a comic book writer talk about his team. Like or his artist, my yeah. artist, my colorist. It's like, no, motherfucker. Like we're all in this together. Like this is a this is a group effort. Your script may be great, but without your artist, they're just fucking words on a page that nobody wants to read. Yeah, the art. It's the artwork. It's the colorist. It's the lettering. It's the editor. Like they help cultivate this idea. They help bring this thing to fruition, and you need to give them the proper respect and the proper the proper credit that they deserve. And Kevin and I have always been on that soapbox. Like that's something that we are very much a part of. When you work with Kevin and I, you are working with us. We are a team. Your mm -hmm. input, your input counts just as much as mine, just as much as Kevin's. Um, and that's just what it is because that's how we that's how we want to do it. Because I think it's a way to inv get the people more invested in like the amped, yeah, yeah if, so they get they get amped to make comics with us because we're like you know this isn't like us paying you a page rate to you're an owner of this too um because you know your your ideas are coming out in this just as much as ours are right. and you're not just gonna we're not just gonna tell you hey just draw this or draw that like yeah that, i'm that's not doing it that way we didn't ever yeah. want to do it that yeah. way. Yeah. We, but, and, uh, and that was like one of the things we laid down early on. Like, and we both felt the same way about it. So, and working with Bob has been really easy because um, we're very much of the same mind about a lot of things. Now we differ about like where a book should go or what a character should do and stuff like that. But we talk about it and like why it makes sense that they do this or that. And if he's right, then he's right in the situation. That's cool. And if I'm right, then I'm right. And that's cool. And it, it's cool because neither one of us goes, well, I was right. I did. But it's not like that. It's like, this is what the best story was. This yeah, is exactly. The, and with Metal Shark Bro is also really cool because it, it was always 
this is what the best joke is. It doesn't matter who wrote the joke. This is the best joke for the page. Yeah. If the joke didn't make him laugh or make me laugh, it didn't end up in the book. So that's just the way we did it. One thing I was I've been dying to ask you guys, and sure. we've asked a couple people on the on the show so far, is you guys work so well together. Like you have a good I hate to use this like business bud buzzword, but your synergy is off the charts. All right. Like what happens when you encounter like an artist block or anything like that? Is there anything that what do you either mean? What's an artist block? What do you mean? Like a writer's block or something like that? Where you're, I mean, you're just, like stuck. I mean, it happens, but that's when you tag in the other dude. Because I mean, like a lot of the times where we're working off a singular outline because we have to do it. That oh, I'm starting to cramp up, man, because I fucking went running this morning and my leg is cramping up. But yeah, yeah so um, I need some. Yeah, I don't know. I'm old. But um, what happens is we work off a singular outline because we have to because. If Kevin starts a script, I need to know where we're going. So when he's like, hey, man, I'm done with this part of it. Like, I really wanted to write this scene, so I did it. Now it's your turn. So I need to know where we're going. So we have, like, it's not a strict outline, but it's just like, okay, A, B, C. As long as we get to B and C from A, we're cool. Um, and we we discuss pretty much everything that happens from the from that point out. But, I mean, so, yeah, it's um, it's not really a lot of writer's block for us because if someone's feeling a bit – doldrummy if you will the other one can just go hey man i got this don't worry about it you know kevin uh i'm feeling kind of bummed out will you fucking write this stuff for me there's a lot of shit going on at home right now hey man will you write this stuff for me kevin will be like hey dude i'm working a lot of hours hey man don't worry about it i know what we're doing we trust each other completely with it so it's not like it's not like i'm afraid that kevin's gonna go into a google doc and i'm gonna be like oh my god this is fucking terrible because he's a very <laughs> he's a very capable writer you know, he's yeah, very and, he's, and same. Yeah. I trust him the same way. And 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 the cool thing about it is, even though he wrote the scene, when I go back to the Google Doc, I'll be the one editing it. So mm -hmm. I get, I'll go, okay, this line's not right for this character, and then I'll tell him, hey, I changed this because I feel like it belongs more to this character. And then if he didn't like that, he'll be like, well, why? Like, and we'll talk about it, and then he'll go, I can see what you're saying, or I think we should move that line back or just get rid of it. Like it's real easy because it's not like um, we, neither one of us is completely attached to anything. Um, so it makes things easy. Um, yeah. No one is like in the driver's seat at all times. We basically, yeah. we're basically road tripping across comics and, and one of us is at the driver's seat sometimes and the other one is in the passenger seat and then vice versa. We pull over to rest stop and here you go. Oh yeah. That seems like such a great way just to bypass just getting stuck on something because I'm sure as you guys were writing solo, you just hit a wall with something and there's no one to bounce it off off of at the time. But my God, you guys just y'all have it all figured out. Well, the other thing, Grant, it works is, for us. It works for us. Bobby also brought up a really great point when we were doing the Elvis adventures together, making comics together is cheaper. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> yeah, that was the initial reason because you can we it's like you hire an 80 dollar artist it's only 40 bucks for me and 40 bucks for kev so that's <laughs> awesome but uh and some of that too is like we also work with the same editor a lot we work with Chaz pangburn who's a really good yeah. dude um and so like sometimes if we do get stuck it's very much like hey Chaz, what do we do here or like we'll send him like where are we going with this? You know, and like, we'll send Chaz an outline and he'll be like, well, try this. Like an editor should and, and normally does for big companies. And that's like, oh, cool. I, we didn't even think about that. And then we just go. So, I mean, we have, we very much have, I don't want to take any of the luster off of the things that we're doing, but we very much have like a writer's room approach to making comics. Like it's not my idea. It's not Kevin's idea. It's the best idea. It's not Chaz's idea 
it's not Walter's idea for Metal Shark Bro. It's just like, this is what we're doing. Like Walter very much for Metal Shark Bro Volume 2, Walter was like, I really want him to have like a James Bond intro, Ira. I really want that. I want to see him in a suit and like a tuxedo f- flying around. I think that'd be funny. All right, cool. So let's do it. So that was that was the first marching order basically for metal shark bro too was like that's what i want to see and that's walter who's the who's just the artist but i mean <laughs> input is just as valuable as ours we're like cool man that's what you want to draw let's do he's it he's like yeah this is what i really want to draw can you guys write this and we were like yeah <laughs> yeah okay we can yeah, yeah that'll be fun let's do yes. it so we did and then there are some points where like i think one of us will have I don't want to say more invested, but we'll be more amped about an idea than the other one. And that's cool too, because then like I, if Kevin's more excited about something, I can see his excitement and get excited too, because I can see how amped he is about an idea and how, how happy he is about the storyline and like, I'll check out Oh, that's cool. Okay. So like, then they kind of bring you along and then you kind of get up. There have been times where Kevin will be super excited about an idea. And I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. But then by the end of it, I'm like, this thing fucking rules. And like, (laughs) you know, and and it, it happens like we can, you know, we just, it's like, we're selling it to each other, you know? And then I get so into it that like, we got to get this done. This thing is awesome. Hell yeah. Like, let's make it happen. All that other bullshit, you know? <laughs> so something I really want to know from you guys is how fucked up would it be if everything you ate turned to teeth in your mouth? Like you're just eating teeth. It would be eating, a, it'd be like eating a lot of chiclets. That's what it would be like. What do you mean eating teeth? Like, because te- teeth are just bone. Like, so would it just be like? No, yeah. Like, let's say you take a bite of a sandwich. As soon as your teeth clamp down on that thing, all the substance in your mouth just turns into little teeth. But if it was always that way, then it wouldn't really be any different. Yeah. Like you it, wouldn't it, know you wouldn't know any different yeah, than that was a burger. Just, if it just happened one day, then yes. But if it has always been this way, and every time you eat something, it's like eating that, then it would just be another day at the at the office, and you're just so eating. The routine makes it less fucked up, then. Yeah, well, yeah, of sort course. Of, yeah. yeah, like if that's the way it's always been, then it's just it is what it is. Then and you're since just we're playing tennis with fucked up ideas, Grant. Which part of a human centipede would you want to be? <laughs> well, I feel like the first one is probably the go-to because ain't nobody want to be like the la- the rump, the rump of the centipede. Because mm. that's just that's just the final stop for whatever cuttlefish you're eating. Yeah. Uh, I feel like yeah, it's got to be first. There's no you way you're, you're going to go first. You're not you're not going to go a second. No, it's just because you, then your face is just sewn onto someone else's someone else's hey, ass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you're going to go for, I mean, at first is the standard answer, the grand. I didn't expect that from you. I thought you were for sure going mid. Well, I wanted, I wanted to be fancy and be like, well, everyone says first, but maybe middle's where it's at. Uh, and I figured that my next question would have been, what would you hope that the first person eats? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> See, ever, ever since you brought Writer's Room, it reminds me of the South Park episode where they did human centipede. And they're like, okay, what, what would you like to eat today? It's like, the sushi or or cuttlefish or like, and then everyone behind is like, not cuttlefish, not cuttlefish. The front guy's like, oh, cuttlefish. Yeah, I think it definitely you gotta be first. Get first, your last. Okay, I, I, that's an acceptable answer, friend. <laughs> and with that out of the way, I want to get you guys on the last five questions. These are 
based off of James Lipton's Inside the Actors Studio, which are yeah. you fellows familiar with that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Thank God. Everyone has not been in their 40s that I've talked to, and no one gets this. <laughs> and this, I like talking to you guys because all of your references I get. This makes me very happy. Um, number one, which is your favorite comic book sound effect? Oh, you know, I always have a real problem with onomatopoeia because there are things that I know make a sound, right? But I can't physically spell screech. Like, how do you spell that? Like, what does that look like? You know, like S K R E E E E E E E E T. There you go. Yeah, yeah. onomatopoeia is not a. It's not a. I hate it. Like, I sometimes I just Google like onomatopoeia and I'll just find stuff and go, okay, that's a, that works for me. That's a good sound effect. Yeah. That's a good sound effect. But I guess <laughs> if I had to pick one. Uh, my favorite comic sound effect would be like crunch, and like you'd have to have like the the letters looking like they're cracking as you're doing. Oh yeah, it. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I always I always like when the letter the letterer or the artist play with the effect. So like it's it looks like it sounds, mm -hmm. you know. So that that would be that would be my whole thing. It's got to look like it sounds, and like when they do the boom, and you see the boot and the B and the O's kind of go like a mushroom cloud. I've always been a big fan of that one. Too. Oh, that's the hot shit, Kevin. Yeah. What about you? I would have to say it's Kathum. You know, when you see something like that, because I've never actually heard a Kathum, like, but I, I imagine that it would be epic. It sounds <laughs> like it would be epic. You know, I've never heard one that like that like something that's that loud, but like I, I imagine it would be dope. Like, it'd be like, oh wow, like the spaceship just blew up above, like Alderaan just blew up. Kathum. Okay, cool. That was that was a big explosion, motherfucker. It feels like the Thum part of it would just be like expanding upon the first initial wave. You know? Yeah. Like I mean, it, it's one of those things where I, the reason why I picked this because I've never actually heard one. So like I always go, yeah, I, I don't know what that would sound like, but if I had to imagine it, that 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 pretty much sums it up. You know? All right. The ka makes everything. The Thum is what you're going to get normally, but the ka like brings that extra bit of uh, panache to the to the Thum that follows. Oh, that's nice. And number two, what's something about the medium of sequential art that you love? That's a good question. I would say, for me, the media, the, what I love about the medium is the fact that um, we get to work with so many different people, like so many different like uh, artists and different viewpoints and different ideas coming to the table. Um, I think that is what makes comics more fun than like writing prose, um, because you're collaborating together on something it's it you're you've come up with this idea and then when you're at the phase where you bring it to an artist and they come up with other ideas from it so it's this like snowball effect of creativity oh yeah what about you i like sequential art because i feel like you could really capture like quiet moments like i know that sounds weird um but like i really think that especially if the artist is done well and like you can really there's quiet moments and like emotion i think in comics are really well done when you get like just panels of like eyes like mm -hmm. you know of like sad like i think like with film it's different you can't really get that but like i think with with comics you can really the quietness and then like i said the the emotion that you can feel like i, I read um on the way back from new york city comic con i read um a road of bones and oh, I, by Duick? Yeah, yeah, if I do it again, uh, um, 
uh, he's so nice too. Why can't I think of his name? Um, Alex McCormack, I think. McCormack, yeah. Mm-hmm. I read that on the way back, and the end of that book, like you see, when the one guy emerges from the mountains, like just the sheer madness in his face, and it's just it's like a moment in time. Like if you're watching a film, like that's just a that's just a flash. You know, it's an image on a screen that's gone instantly. And like, if you want to see it again, you got to go back and rewatch it. But with sequential art and comics, like you can just kind of hold that page and just like really examine it. Like, look at his eyes, look at the teeth, look at his beard. Like it, that lasting image of that book really just stuck with me. And it's just because like you can really live in an image for a very long time. As long as you want to look at the page, like you can examine every aspect of it, you know, and I, and I find that part really kind of fascinating about it. Oh, yeah. Now, on the flip side, what's something about the medium that you dislike? This one's easy for me. Um, being at a con and having and, and talking to that person that's looking over your shoulder for someone more important to talk to. <laughs> oh, dude. That's my, like, I bitch about that at every con. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that the medium or is that just shitty people? I mean... <laughs> It doesn't people. happen in movies. Like it's not like it, in in Hollywood. I would well, imagine. I'm sure that it does. Like I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. Like I, I'm sure if like if we're at a party in Hollywood and like Quentin Tarantino is going to be there, I'm sure people are or somebody who's in the nose. Like oh, that's the producer I want to go talk to. Like I'm sure that happens. Yeah, on possibly. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's weird because like the thing in comics about it that I hate is like it's so like disingenuous. So like and and like. It's weird to me because like if I'm having a conversation with you, I'm talking to you. I'm not like worried mm-hmm. about the person who's more important over your shoulder. Like I could give a shit less, but that's just always been me. Like I could care less, like whatever. Um, and and I've never been that person that's also like starstruck by famous people or anything like oh, that. Hang on, hang, and, hang on, I see Grant. Hang on, shh, shh, shh. There's Grant. Hey, what's up, Grant? It's the worst, dude. Nobody even does that though. That's the bad thing about it. That's not what they do. That's the worst. They just they just fucking leave. They just mid conversation and everything. Like you've been like, yeah. So we're gonna do the. Where you go? Oh, we did, are. You, At least bye, have the courtesy bye. to throw down like a Batman smoke bomb and disappear. You know, like oh, what was that? Oh, I got a shit. Bye. What kind of human beings are raised to like abandon a conversation? I mean, you can do what you got to. I mean, because some of this, there's only so many jobs. So you, mm. I mean, so you got to do what you got to do. I, it is in disingenuous and kind of lame, and I agree with Kevin. But I'd have to say, like my the least thing, uh, thing I like least about the is the reluctancy for change, because like when you see the audience like uh, comics are great like floppies are wonderful okay i think we can all agree but there's a better way to tell a story um and that's why i like all ages books so much because i think they really understand the medium it's like hey man here's the whole story boom you don't have to go to this this location once a month and and buy six of these things at one time buy one a month for six months to get a whole story and then by the third month you're probably going to forget what happened in the first two so you got to find them and reread them and then you got to remember to go back to the store and hope it doesn't sell out because you didn't remember to order it because 
he just didn't. And then now it's a collector's item because they misspelled a word in it or like the word speculators, the word titty is in there or something. And it's like Superman said titty on accident and it got through. (laughs) And so it's, it's a really weird thing, but there are better ways to tell stories. There are better ways to get your stories in the marketplace. There's Kickstarter, there's digital comics, there's just graphic novel trades. And, and, and I think some of it like, yeah, dude, I like records, like records are cool. But I also know that, like, if I want to listen to music, I can listen to it on my my device, and I can just stream Amazon Music and do it that way. Like, I, I understand that people love comics and they love the floppies in their hands, but like having digital comics is pretty great. You know, I'm not saying to I, and the comic shop community is wonderful, and I love them, and I love going to comic shops, and I will always buy books at comic shops. But I think there is a better way to do it. And just the, the reluctancy, like, no, this is the way we've always done it. That's not a really great That's the model. reason to do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like all forms of entertainment have evolved. And it just makes me sad sometimes because, like, I feel like, like comics might get left behind unless we start having some, like, real honest conversations about mm-hmm. what we're doing, you know? Absolutely. Number four. Um, I think what number is... three. This is four? Yeah, this is four. Okay. Uh, <laughs> is it? What yeah. was the first, the first, the first one? Sound effect? Sound effect. That you love? Yeah. Medium that you dislike. Okay, there you go. All right, all right. Therefore, okay. Now we got, what's your favorite curse word that's not a curse word? I just curse. I'm from <laughs> New York. I mean, I was raised in New York. I mean, and, and I, I still curse like, like that. I just don't, there's no like, oh, crud. Like that doesn't happen in my house. It's, you know. Jesus tap dancing Christ on a like you know yeah, something like that. So. I do. I agree with Kevin to some extent, but I also like. I, I was in school because I work at an elementary school with kids, and there was a kid who got in trouble for saying the B word. And I hate the I hate the B word. I think it's a terrible word. It's 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 demeaning and awful and disgusting, and I hate it. But that's neither here nor there. And I told this kid, I was like, look, man, you got to come up with better words than words that are going to get you in trouble. So, like, why not just say, like, fiddlesticks? And I thought that was so fun that I just said fiddlesticks. So, yeah, that's the one I really like. And I like, I've explained this to my children, I like stinky. Like, that's, stinky. that's, that's stinks. Like, that's stinky. <laughs> because my son said sucks the other day. That sucks. And I was like, okay, look, first off, if you say that, you're going to get in trouble. Somebody is going to say, like, hey, that's disrespectful. That's not kind to say you're going to get in trouble for that. And second off, think about something being stinky. Like what I like, I just pictured the Charlie Brown pig pen lines coming off oh, of it. Absolutely. Yeah. So like that image to me is funny where something sucking is kind of grotesque and kind of like obscene or something that's stinky is kind of funny. Cause you got the stink lines coming off of it and all that jazz. Yeah. So they stinky that stinks. I think like, it's, I think it's better. The, the the not curse curses I feel like are are good at diffusing the situation too. Yeah. Because uh, I'm I'm a proponent of fiddlesticks. Fiddle because sticks. there's nothing better than not being a 90 year old man and like saying fiddlesticks. Oh, fiddlesticks. I mean, and also I thought of one while you guys were talking about this. My son says frick, but Ooh. with his little voice, sometimes it sounds like it says he's saying something else. So, <laughs> and and this was his. Um, second year in, in middle school but when he was in elementary school he said oh frick and like they thought he said something else with his little voice and um i got a phone call that day 
and he was like, I swear I didn't say the, I didn't drop the F-bomb, I didn't. And, like, he was, like, really scared, and I was like, it's just a word, like, words are words, that's cool, but, like, did you say it? And he's like, no. And then um, I thought he was not necessarily telling the truth, so I wasn't sure whether or not he should get punished. And then he he happened to drop something on his foot or something and said that, and I was like, it was Frick. He said Frick, so I called the, the, the principal back, and I was like, he definitely said Frick. It just sounds like something else mm-hmm. um and and i was like but it wouldn't shock me if it was the other one too because i'm sure he's heard me say it is what i said to her like i just <laughs> i just owned i owned my bad parenting right there like i was like yeah he's probably heard me say it i always tell he, my kids too like i i make the choice to sound trashy like when you say words <laughs> like that you sound trashy mm-hmm. like you sound trashy you sound like you you grew up on the wrong side of town you just sound like a potty mouth and i said that's a decision that i've made but I don't want you to make that. And I said, and you're also, you know, 11 and nine. So like if an adult hears you say that, they're going to be like, what kind of kid is this? And I know that you're better than that. And you know that you're better than that. So be better than that. And like my kids, they hear me say bad words. And like, sometimes I'll say funny words. Like I said, I explained to Sophie, like a, a dick bag and bag of dicks the other day. And she thought that was hilarious. But I was like, cause what's, you know, what's funnier than a, a uh, like a bag full of penises and she just thought it was hilarious so especially if they're like gummy like that yeah, yeah. Well, perfect now, now i'm thinking dick about bag. the difference between a dick bag and a bag of dicks so is the dick bag just like a bag that looks like a dick no a dick a dick a bag is a bag full of them is no that's a bag of dicks that's a bag yeah. of dicks. oh so that's the difference a bag, okay. of, a bag of dicks like it's just a bag like a burlap sack or like a grocery bag full of penises. A dick bag is just like someone who is, it's just another way to call someone a dick, but it's just funnier. Is that, oh, like a bag. douche. It's like a douche. Okay, I got it. Yeah, now. I, I kind of wish that there was a dick bag. When, but see now, that's the thing, but there is one, because you can buy those boxers with the separate ball things. So that is that like a dick bag? Because that seems so your dick has yeah. to go where your balls go. It, it seems so uncomfortable. Like, why would you do that to yourself? I don't know. Maybe it's like toe socks where you're a little unsure at first, then you put them on and you're like, oh, this ain't so bad. <laughs> Who has that much insecurity about where their dick is in their pants that like they have to... Maybe you slide to that dick bag and you're like, this is the way things are. What if it's really hot where you live and like the but dick think about bag how is, hot like, it must is like air conditioned for your genitals? I don't wear underpants, so this conversation I know, is going commando. <laughs> going commando all the time. I never. I haven't worn underpants since I since college because I didn't want to do the extra laundry. Um, and it was always fun when you would like, you know, um, uh, when things would progress with a with a sexual partner, and you and they're like, "Whoa, there it is!" Like, <laughs> I mean that in the best way possible, not like in a weird Louis C.K. Oh manner, no, right. but like, oh god. It's, very much like oh hello like i didn't expect that to happen it's like surprise well I, but then I, you, I was glad then you have that. zipper danger like zipper danger is the worst man oh god. Dude, you know what you're doing beans and franks man, <laughs> well, i'm knocking on wood it, that's never happened to me i don't want it to happen tomorrow but yeah it's never happened and i'm glad that you went that direction because at first i thought you're gonna be like when you shit your pants it just goes down all the way like you don't <laughs> yeah. have to worry about bunching yeah. in your buttons we're old we're yeah. not that old yet <laughs> remember Remember, we, we've got the cowboy depends, so we're, we're safe. <laughs> Not cowboy shit. Just to bring so it back. So, fellas, uh, I got some bad news for you. You guys were cruising uh, back to Comic Capital of the World, Altoona, Pennsylvania. I'm never going back there, so this is never going to happen. <laughs> and, and a truck carrying just bags full of dicks 
rear ends you guys. So now you're dead. It's terrible. Oh, yeah. Let's say you go to heaven and you arrive at the pearly gates. I don't believe in that. So uh, I don't know where I would go. Would you stop yucking my yum, bro? I don't like thinking about being dead. I have too much to live for. So <laughs> let okay, you're at the drug. Would you write the obituary? Then... That's what that is there. I'm gonna ask you. Would you write the obituary, Grandad? Since we got killed by a truck carrying bags of dicks. It's very appropriate. Um, It'll just I turn think... into a Seinfeld bit about the difference between bags of dicks and a dick bag. But okay. you guys get to heaven. And Jacob Kurtzberg, Jack Kirby himself is there. What's the first thing you think he he says to you? Hmm. I would hope that is it is it based on what I want him to say or what yeah. like what I think he would actually say? Like what what you hope he would say? I I would hope that he like pulls an Ash Williams right out of his ass and tells me "Hail to the King, baby," <laughs> and I would be like, "Fuck yeah." Um, what would Kirby say to us? Like, I think, I think Kirby was one of those guys that when you read his stuff, like you really tried to do what he could to push the medium as far as he could. Like, look at some of those spreads, you know, like look at a lot of that stuff that he was doing, like just the, the, the thought and the effort that went into his, his his work, the creativity of all of it, you know, like look at those new gods pages and like, look at all the stuff that he cooked up. I would hope so. He'd say like, Hey man, like you guys were close. All right. Like you're close. Like you didn't get it. Like you didn't, you didn't knock it out of the park, but you were close. I just think he would say hail to the King baby. Like Ash Williams. It would be amazing. <laughs> I would just be like, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Like Kevin's I can't triumphant. say anything. Hmm. Kevin, your, your answer is more triumphant. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I would say Bob's got a very thoughtful and nice answer. Mine is just more base and goofy because, like, I would just hope that, like, he would say, like, you know, like that, and then like light the cigar afterwards, like, because you always see him with Ooh. the cigar, like he would do, and then the cigar light comes, like, all right, dude, I, there's not much I can say to all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, it was a blast talking to you both. Thank you for indulging all my. Uh, interview questions. Uh, where can Thank folks you. find y'all on the socials? Um, you can find me at B France B F R A N T Z one nine. That's my Twitter handle. That's where I do most of my social media at this point. And um, I am at at Kevin underscore Cuff C U F F E on Twitter, but usually the title says something weird. Like I think right now it says something like I want a Ringo insert expletive or something like that. <laughs> and um, you can also, before we let you go too, we want to, um, you can join our mailing list. Ooh, yeah. Uh, on Substack. On Substack. We, we are followers to the nth degree, but we just use Substack more for our podcasting. Like we do a, ma a newsletter that comes out every once in a while, but we do our podcast on Substack now. So if you want to subscribe to our podcast, it's called The Word Bros. You can go to Substack. Um, what is it? Substack. Come on, man. That's not the address. Let me give me the address. Where is it? It's Substack. Um, dot com. It's the Word Bros. It's Substack. I don't know, man. Fuck. Where is this? Just thing? Google Word Bros and Substack. Would that work? Yeah, that would probably the and Word Bros. No, that's not it. That's the XML. <laughs> uh, while you're searching, I the Word Bros. Dot Substack. Dot com. That's there. Us. We go. Yeah, and I, I can't uh, emphasize how good you guys' show is. It's super fun. 
to listen to. And it's one of those things that you listen to from the start to the, the absolute end. So, Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I'm glad we, I'm glad somebody listens to it. Like we, we're yeah, never you sure. Got, you got one subscriber. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. All we need. That's, that's all we all need. We need making... like, we're doing the podcast for you, Grant. Like that's, that's what we're really doing. We have a really good time. We, we talked to a lot of really great guests. It's, the wordbros.substack.com. Like our guest this week was uh, Aubrey Sitterson, who was such a nice and and thoughtful and creative and and energetic. Guy. Yeah. Like he was a lot of fun to talk to, man. Like good I don't know, workout man, tips. Yeah, good workout tips. And there's it's cool, man, because like Kevin and I were having this conversation earlier today. We're like, man, he was a really cool dude. Like, what a cool guy. And because Tony Gregori, who we're doing Dust Pirates with, was like, man, he's a really cool guy. So normally if someone you already like says that person is cool, then there's a good chance that they will indeed be super cool. So if you like somebody at comics and they go, hey, man, this guy's solid, you're like him. Because that's how that's how Kevin and I met. Yeah. We, I liked Drew. Kevin liked Drew. Drew kept saying, oh, you'll really like Kevin. And, and right. you said the same thing to me. You'll like Bob. You guys will get along. Um, and you guys will probably break each other's balls because that's what you did. Boy, we was did. Right. <laughs> yeah, we, and we do. And that's what we do. And that's what we do for fun now, which is really weird because at a con, we'll be sitting there just breaking each other's balls the whole It's like a three day ball breaking fest. It's ridiculous. Right on, fellas. Well, thanks again so much. And yeah. Talk thanks, to you later. Let's try to figure out how to stop this. <laughs> Oh, you, you guys are privy to the real old man shit right now. <laughs> I think you should leave this in. This has been a Comic Book Yeti production. You can find new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere podcasts stream. For more information on the Comic Book Yeti, please visit comicbookyeti.com. And for more of Grant, visit grantstoy.com or on Twitter at Grant and Stuff.